Creeping through the old ruin, the refreshing smell of moss and morning dew does little to ease the building anxiety. Except not for this new druid that's tagged along. Nothing adds an extra skip to their step quite like a fresh morning, it seems. All confidence and positivity. It's almost sickening. Warnings to them that these ruins never quite appear as they seem have just been met with patronizing platitudes like not every child of nature can navigate the wilds or you've just a keen eye for the sharp angles of a city and not the twisted shapes of a forest or you care too much about what cares so little for you in return you'll be as defeated as these ruins that which was structured and specific is always overtaken by the power of nature that last one wasn't even applicable to the concerns you would raise to the druid and it annoys you most of all and that's probably and that's probably because it's more true than you'd care to admit after some delicate trekking through rough terrain, keeping your footing and keeping quiet is exhausting, though the druid seems to respond otherwise. Another infuriating character trait. How can someone be so unfazed by anything? Well, just wait until they see, and there it is. <laughs> A massive hole in the ground where one ought not be. Right in the middle of the forest ruin, fifty feet wide and deep, and above it, floating in the air, unreachable by any mundane means, is your prize. A light that shines so bright you have to shade your eyes. And the druid does indeed pause in awe at the sight of this, and you have a brief moment of satisfaction at the sight. But then they smugly smile and nod, and in the blink of your watery eyes, they are a bird, flying up and toward the object. A priceless jewel, some legends say, holding a small piece of the Dawnflower's divinity, trapped for untold eons. Another myth tells of its mysterious role in the fall to demigodhood for the Shining Scourge. What you hope most, however, is the storied claims that this is the Garnet brand itself, the prison of the Lambent King. As the soaring bird meanders casually, you can't help but feel more annoyance. They may be a bird now, but that cocky attitude still exudes forth, and you have to catch a laugh in your throat, a cackle really, a guffaw, as the druid slams into a wall that simply isn't there, like one giant stubbed toe. They fall fluttering in a panic toward the hole below, and your heart skips a beat because in the air in that light something moves you see what is impossibly unmistakably a mane of white hair flowing within the light and the light sinks casually down closer to you as your mind is filled with a discordant psychic inferno and blackness. No light, no mane of hair, no druid and no ruins. Just the smell of refreshing moss and morning dew. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Pathfinder 2nd Edition and the lore that surrounds them. Live. Hello there, creatures, and welcome to another episode of Encounter This. My name is James, the dedicated scholar kid, and with me, as always, is Freeman, the needlessly violent Eisten, which uh, I'm sure is a nickname that goes all the way back to his childhood. Absolutely. <laughs> Today, we're <laughs> going to be looking at The Shining Child, uh, found on the Bestiary 1, page 292. Uh, you got a couple of source books here, Freeman, but um, they all yeah. seem to be 1E. Uh, care, care to explain yourself? Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, 
Uh, and if you speak to me like that again, I will become needlessly violent. Uh, <laughs> oh, we should. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they're just in bestiary one for two E so far, uh, but they do make a one E appearance, and they've shown up in a couple of books. Um, uh, one of them is the final. <laughs> we just book. lost your camera. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> This episode is just rife with technical <laughs> difficulties. There we go. You're back. Okay. Uh, shall I continue? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, I have a feeling it's going to happen again. Show. Yeah. The uh, so yeah. What is the final core uh, book for One E, which is called Planar Adventures? Uh, they also make an appearance. Spoilers in um, one of the books in uh, Rise of the Rune Lords. And oh. uh, in a and in a campaign setting for called Lost Kingdoms, all from money. I'm uh, familiar with most of those books. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've yet to see any content really that that they've been shown in, but I'm sure we'll get some uh, at some point, right. given uh, the shows we listen to. But um, uh, just quick fun fact too before we get into this is that if you just Google Shining Child without Pathfinder or Two E attached to it you get the picture of the child from the movie The Shining. <laughs> I, was, oh. I was very confused. <laughs> um, and probably thrown on a watch list somewhere. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we get that a lot. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, okay, well, so, let's, let's jump into some game lore. Yeah, so we're going to start with actually talking about the astral plane and what is known as the Great Beyond. Uh, so we're not, we're not going to touch on the, the creature just yet. So the Great Beyond is a term that encompasses all planes of existence across the multiverse as it were and this is divided into the outer sphere and the inner sphere the outer sphere holds the alignment based planes which we'll probably see some major changes to in the upcoming remaster uh and um those include like the neutral planes which is axis the boneyard the maelstrom the lower planes which are uh, abaddon the abyss hell the upper planes elysium heaven and nirvana now the inner sphere holds all the other planes which uh, of course is the uh, including the material plane uh, we have the elemental planes of air, water, fire, and earth. Uh, and we also have upcoming, as of this recording anyway, uh, the metal and wood planes in the Rage of Elements okay. book. And uh, there's also energy planes, uh, the positive, negative, and the transitive planes, ethereal, shadow, first world, and the astral plane. So the astral plane is the one we, we kind of need to focus on here. Okay. Uh, and those are by transitive planes. You mean they kind of connect everything? Is that is that how we're supposed to? That's kind of the idea, I think. Yeah. So transitive planes connect okay. planes or worlds, and the astral plane is a, in particular actually takes up space between the inner and outer spheres, uh, and all around the other planes. Okay, uh, so cool. it's sort of the space between, in a way. Um, it also holds the countless branches of the river of souls that lead to the outer sphere. Um, and uh, so most inhabitants or uh, natives to the astral plane um, actually give the river souls a wide berth, though it's actually not sure. No one's really quite sure why. Could be the like their uh, you know their own choice. Uh, could be the will of uh, deities or, or even laws of the multiverse that stop them from going near it. Uh, and it's even speculated that some of these creatures, these inhabitants of the astral plane, um, can't even see the river at all. Um, but the astral plane and the river is basically a silvery haze. And the inner sphere itself ends before the uh, astral plane at the outer edge of the plane of fire. So that plane causes the astral okay. plane to boil and churn with storms and eddies, as does the maelstrom, which surrounds the planes of the outer sphere. So the, kind of the, the opposite version on, on the outer sphere. Um, and um, the churning combined with the traveling souls... Uh, along the river and through the Asher Plain produces uh, two things, two uh, well-known things, Simulacra of the Dead and Demiplanes. And this is where the Shining Child comes in. All okay. of this kind of leads up to this. These spontaneous creations of Demiplanes uh, create sparks of living light that sometimes get shorn off from the creation and the process. And for unknown reasons, these pieces of pure planar energy sometimes transform into a shining child. Oh, okay. There's, there's a your lot. long-winded origin story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. So they're just yeah. pure beings of pure energy. 
Yeah. Um, uh, as far as uh, creature types go, as you might call them, this is the first time we've ever covered this, what this would be. And it's that they are purely an astral creature. They're not oh. connected. Yep. So let's take it to an image of the shining child just uh just to help cover. <laughs> uh stop looking at me. Look at that. Um there we go. So yeah, the the uh, these creatures um are astral only and they uh they have this really really weird uh dichotomy to their existence which we'll get into. Uh, but yeah, they basically just are spontaneously formed from these demiplanes being being produced. Um, and uh, each one of these shining children are imprinted differently by the plane that created it, giving them a semblance of a unique identity. Uh, but it also connects them to each other in a way. They are able basically to recognize siblings that were created from the same spontaneous demiplane. Uh, and they can they can detect each other these these sort of siblings uh, via telepathy. Um, although I don't mind saying that this was not well worded or explained in the Tui description at all. Uh, it kind of just said they have a unique identity and can detect each other. But then when I dug further, it's there was a few things that I kind of connected. It was like, oh, it seems like they act, the siblings are the result of the same demi plane, not just any old shining child. Uh, so it was a little bit it was a little all over the place um interesting yeah uh okay that so these demi planes that are they're, they're just so i'm clear um because we just blew by a whole lot of like dense information <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so they're created due to the roiling of the connection of the plane of fire and the astral plane so essentially like like bubbles in um you know if you boil water the bubbles that come off it that would essentially be a demi plane are these fragile or are they they impermanent are they like like permanence um, like the demi, like the do, demi do planes? We have that information yeah i don't know to be honest the top of my head i think i think they just okay. are uh my head canon tells me that it's they're kind of like they're all of the above you know they could be they could right. be created uh and and destroyed in the same instance uh, or they could persist for a long, long time. You know, I know there um, Debbie Platons like are sometimes um, uh, used as like you know havens for very powerful wizards. I'm sure you know stuff like that. That you know, and they probably maintain them with their own magic. But I think they're probably just all over the place. Um, okay, I'm, I meant these demi planes specifically uh, that create like, shining children. They're, they're yeah, because there are demi planes all over the place, but the ones mm. created from the the sea or the 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 fire plane meeting the astral plane, right? Um, so I, it would I, make I, sense to me that yeah. they're not permanent, actually. Mm. Well, what I can say is that not every one of these actually creates a shining child either. Um, so that doesn't answer your question, uh, but to me, it just makes it that much more vague. Maybe like, you know, not everyone yeah. that's spontaneously created by this sort of combustion or this, this physical interaction creates a shining child, but they can sometimes they can create like, uh, like dozens, I believe. Um, I have it somewhere in my notes here uh, or like not at all. So you just, it's really quite random. And yeah, I, I'm with you. It feels like a very temporary thing. These like these instances happening um, and then probably disappearing again. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I, I hmm. like open ended and like, like ethereal lore like that. So I'm, I was just curious as to if we found sure. anything. Yeah. Um, but we've had this image up a while for our YouTube uh, viewers. Should we describe it for audio listeners? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> um, well, just I, I have one quick note before I do. Just on like the this sort of uh, sense of individuality that they they kind of have. Uh, they do have this sort of unique idea or unique thing where they they confuse others because they refuse to use individual names despite uh, having some sort of identity. Instead, they switch to referring uh, to each other singularly or collectively. Collectively, uh, so effectively using they them pronouns, sort of you know because they have this very loose identity connection uh with each other and and the self um but at least that's how i interpreted it but yeah like description wise uh as the viewers can see they are very gaunt uh they have long white floating hair uh it's quite quite the main in fact and they have four fingered hands um they're much bigger than you might think like this this uh two artwork kind of to me makes it look a little bit small but there's no point of reference but they they are a, a sizable right. uh creature and they're very humanoid ish you know as far as yeah. buying, being bipedal uh with arms goes um uh they uh basically um they're barely visible 
at all uh, because they emit an intense light at all times. And basically where eyes would be, they just have these large sockets and their mouth like uh, stretches out wide and um, inside uh, it's just. Yeah, the this image is is really quite unnerving, actually. Like the so the whole image is done in these cool colors, and and it's this gaunt, uh, like like you said, figure with this this ethereal floating hair, and its arms are way too long for its body. But the only warm colors in the image are are like emanating from its eyes and like this this ovular mouth. But the the oval yeah. of the mouth is um, vertical, not horizontal, like you would think it is. Like yeah, it's, it's quite unnerving. Yeah. Um... So it just had like, yeah, it has this like really long kind of dropping jaw kind of thing to it. Um, so oh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, almost, yeah. The uh, the unnatural light uh, within them, however, is quite natural to them. So it's kind of an odd uh, way of describing it. Um, and they can actually use it to create illusions and and weaponize it in like brilliant fiery light, as it's described. Um, so oh. their nature... These Sorry. aliens shoot mouth laser beams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. Cool. <laughs> um, their nature, however, is sort of a conflicted one, as I touched on a little bit earlier. They act in a way that is befitting to someone trying to understand their role in the multiverse uh, and trying to understand why they were suddenly birthed at all. So like, they just, boom, are are pop into existence as they are and it's very very confusing for them so and this is like basically considered to be futile as well um though they may not know it and it basically causes them to obsess about two conflicting things an intense dedication to scholarship and knowledge gathering and pure and unadulterated violence they just need to destroy and also collect and store everything um kind of reminiscent so of frankenstein's monster yeah, probably. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, just, the, this, the search for the there. meaning of life is is the mm. undercurrent of that story, right? Like, why? Like, right. his its its main driving question is why do I exist? And the answer right. is unfortunately because you can. Yeah, <laughs> that's and that's that, <laughs> which is not very uh, comforting, I'm sure. In the end, um, no. <laughs> Well, I imagine that's not comforting <laughs> or, or a satisfying answer to that question. Not that yeah. any of us could claim our, our the reason for our existence to be any different other than because yeah. we do. I exist for this podcast. Encounter Agreed. me. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get to $1,000 on Patreon, that's that, that's what this show becomes. The streamer just running it by himself. Oh, no. <laughs> that's bad. Uh, um so uh so these creatures as you can imagine have uh, a bit of a reputation um among scholars and the eldritch uh in particular um and uh basically powerful wizards and occultists who find uh knowledge uh sometimes attempt to st the knowledge about these creatures uh try to summon them uh in order to acquire whatever rare knowledge they have and uh but the the price of doing such a thing um, is usually uh, well. See, the the Chinese child doesn't want to give any information away for free, so uh, they can summon them in. But like, usually there's this cost, and it's usually some sort of random contemptible deed, as it's described. Um, and that, uh, but that deed will also um, sort of help the the Shining Child's strange, far-reaching plans of some such. Um, but you usually have to okay, dip your toes so into do something pretty ambition. awful. Yeah, they do to some capacity, but certainly okay. too alien for us to understand, I would imagine. Um, right. That adds a level it, of complexity uh, that, that I enjoy. Um, other, mm. Otherwise, I was very concerned that these were going to be kind of uh, dull, mindless creatures, you know, just sure. roaming for yeah. purpose. Uh, no, they, they, they definitely have some some plans in motion. Um, in fact, uh, here's another little bit you'll like, because I know you're a fan of old Thassalon. And new uh, Thassalon. And new Thessalon. <laughs> sure, old and new. Take him, take him as it were. Um, the so it was actually a popular practice to conjure and bind shining children to serve as guardians for important locations, uh, and uh, 
that's why some in the sort of more um, current uh, Galarian timeline uh, can actually be found in old ruins, guarding lore and treasure from like thousands of years ago. That because makes old Thassalon had some had some crazy magic. <laughs> well, not only crazy magic, but crazy knowledge, right? Like they were a very mm. like they're a wizard society, so they were essentially right. bound to the concept of of getting knowledge, uh, whether it be through devious means or through like traditional research. So their their motives and their ambitions would line up pretty well with uh, with you know uh, spoilers the Rune Lords and the Rune Lord yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Under, underlings. So. The question is, though, could they fix my webcam issues? Because we don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I I would I mean I would imagine it'd be solved the same way we solve most tech problems. <laughs> we tried turning off and on again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, it, it's fine. It's fine. Just every time it blinks out, put a little goofy picture of me up there or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> How's that for editing jobs? Because I don't do enough work. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about uh, some 1E stuff. We have a picture from 1E as well. Uh, if you want to take a look at that. This one actually does look larger. Um, this one looks horrifying. Like it looks it like really it's pockmarked <laughs> with burning ashes and stuff. Like it. it, it I love how they're the same but different. It just goes to show you how how different an art style can really evoke a different effect. Yeah. Like I think the two B one is creepy as all hell, but this one looks terrifying. This it one looks, looks like, like it's, it's just malice incarnate. Yeah. Like, this is this is gonna mess your day up. The two B one is yeah. is kind of like um, it's almost fey like you know like it's yeah. To me, the two E one like makes me want to ask questions about it, and then the one E one makes me not want to stick around long enough to ask any questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just like, I gotta I agree go. It's not okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> I have the questions. I'm just not sticking around. <laughs> right. Um, so we'll start with a weird one uh, from the one E stuff because uh, for some reason it mentioned they have prehensile tails, and I don't see that in either artwork at all. So, and it's not in their stat blocks in either edition. So that's that's that. Uh, take it or okay. leave it. Maybe they have prehensile hair. Go for it. Um, the uh, <laughs> shapes of their heads are apparently varied, uh, but um, uh, a skull-shaped head was documented. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's just so they probably have a skull and they've, they've done some like yeah. Galarian phrenology on it is probably what happened. Basically, yeah. yeah. So some have speculated that this is an example of sexual dimorphism or an indication of different life stages given that they basically know there are different shapes, like a wide variety of different head shapes and skull shapes for these creatures. Whatever. Right. Um, I guess genetic divergency doesn't really, uh, really <laughs> isn't really taken into account when you're a children of the light. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, I think it's uh, it's a, one of those little like ecology things that we always love from the old stuff, but sometimes they don't add up to a whole lot. Um, the um, here's one I love: uh, the telepathy that these creatures has uh, takes the form of, and I quote, a discordant psychic inferno. <laughs> shit (laughs) (laughs) and should they actually speak aloud it it sounds like uh their their voice is worn and scraping uh so um communication sounds awful um yeah here's Um, here's another one of your favorites part of the creation of shining child involves quintessence uh, and it adheres to <laughs> the brightest sparks of energy and light from the demiplane creation process. <laughs> so I'm actually not um, sure what that means, so we can just blow, blow by that. <laughs> I'm not sure either, um, and I don't care too much. Uh, a demiplane uh, could spawn anywhere from zero to scores of them. Oh, here's this is a good one, so I knew I had to know from this. Um, scores of them. It actually took me a little while to figure out uh, what a score was. Um, and a score is a, a flavorful word for twenties uh, or so. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I, I just love the flowery phrasing of this. Anywhere from zero to twenties of them. <laughs> like, who measures in twenties? <laughs> it's. I mean, I um, guess it's no dumber than like Baker's dozens worth, but you know, or just dozens well, so, in general. <laughs> yeah. 
there was a reason for dozens. I don't remember what it is. I mean, there's obviously yeah. a reason for for a baker's dozen. That that makes all the sense in the world. Um, to explain. <laughs> oh, uh, so they would sell their products in a dozen, but they would need to make thirteen so they could eat one to taste it to make sure it was good. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. all right. Uh, so that's where the term baker's dozen comes from. Uh, score is is pretty that. archaic. Um, I think score is a is an old military term, but I, I'm the only reason I even kind of am familiar with that word is is um, is an old Lincoln uh, uh, speech that he did. That obviously I don't know, not being um, a good person or an American. Uh, sorry, a United Statesman. I refuse to call them Americans. You don't get the whole continent. Uh, United States, sir. <laughs> well, they're, uh, I mean, never, I'm an American. Never I'm from North America. You know? Like, no, I, know I don't care if it rolls off the tongue. So, they were the idiots who so decided pedantic. to come into the whole continent. <laughs> as a, that is the pricks. only way you could possibly, as a Canadian, possibly want to call yourself an American is just through pure pedantry. <laughs> Yep. Not by reputation. <laughs> Let it never be said that I'm not a petty man. <laughs> <laughs> this is known. <laughs> this is known. Oh, God. No matter okay. of record now. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about this creature again. I'm crying now. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, they're sometimes spawned in uh, amounts of 20s, apparently. Uh, and um, their birth... Uh, as it uh, is in air quotes, uh, is described as unjust uh, in both editions of the game and traumatic. And so, nothing describes why it is either of these, perhaps, um, but it is used to explain their violent spite towards everything. Um, uh, as a creature of the astral plane, they do not eat, sleep, and possibly do not even die. Uh, they're also said to be unaffected by gravity, which is not reflected in the stat block below. Um, but uh, that's a thing, I guess. And um, they do that's not a leave... really interesting choice to just not reflect mechanically. <laughs> yeah, again, this is a one e. Uh bit of information oh, i'm not right i'm not right, right. sure if it's reflects in the one of you step lock off the top of my head but maybe we can uh quickly skim that um here's a cool one that i like they do not leave a physical body behind when they die instead they explode with light and leave a shadow like after image on a nearby surface and this burn on whatever surface always seems brighter than its surroundings even in daylight that's really cool i really like that. yeah it's kind of a mind-bendy thing. You know, like, oh, they disappear and leave a shadow behind, but the shadow is brighter than the light around it. You're like, Bleh? <laughs> that's that's uh, that hurts my my brain and my eyes. Right. I think silhouette might be a better word. Probably, yeah. Um, but I, I get what they're going for. Um, mm. I, I think that's really cool. In my head, do you remember like the 1990s holographic like trading cards and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Um, like, like the background to some of our Stemming the Tide stickers, like that kind of... Yep. Yeah, yeah. That that's what I'm picturing. Okay. Behind, is like <laughs> leave that, that behind. Okay. <laughs> yeah, leaving that like behind. This pearlescent shadow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. like old '90s comic covers or, or holographic Pokemon cards. Yeah, <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> um, lucky for you, we have a little bit more uh, on uh, Thassalonian stuff. Um, on Galarian, they were actually known as Shining Children of Thassalon, and oh. they were uh, discovered accidentally via teleportation research. <laughs> Uh, what a happy mistake. Uh, and they refer to themselves collectively as the shining one rather than using a plural. Um, and uh, they did al ally themselves with Thessalonian wizards and allowed themselves to be summoned. It's not clear why the Thessalonians were an exception to this willingness, but they did hold, um, or they did not hold any other people that we know of in high regard, just the Thessalonians. Uh, it was, and it's right. probably due to their uh, one vast knowledge in two um uh penchant uh to do awful things in pursuit of knowledge that's french listeners um yep. and even I'm still with the uh, it's not with the not being <laughs> <French>. <laughs> uh even still they uh the shining children actually followed orders um but only if they were allowed to torment sentient beings in return um and uh 
through this, they were used to guard artifacts, uh, sometimes lead armies, and educate scholars on alien truths, etc. Can you imagine being like 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 an old Thessalonian wizard, where this being comes to you and they'll kind of just do whatever you want them to do as long as they get to torture shit. <laughs> but you as an old Thessalonian wizard, we're going to have to do that work anyway. So not yeah. only do you get this guardian of a tomb, you get somebody to do your dirty work for you and that's their payment. Like, that's amazing. That's, that is a great deal. No wonder they love the Thessalonians. They got everything. Everybody in that, that deal got everything they ever could have wanted. There's a slovenly rune lord that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there are some alternate origin stories, too, uh, or theories, I should say. Uh, and uh, the first thing it was described is the number of theories basically matches the number of scholars, meaning absolutely no one agrees. Uh, and one of these series is a highly advanced race that shed their physical forms to become beings of pure light. Um, and then there is the celestials from a utopian future who see the present people of Galarian as horrifically evil. Um, that uh, cool. I don't really, yeah, it's fine. Uh, uh, they don't really see that in their motives, but okay. Um, uh, the, there's a possibility they come from what is referred to as the edge of reality whatever that means. And uh, my personal favorite is they are projections from a vast sentient star whose dying agony sends psychic ripples through time and space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every one of those makes at least a modicum of sense to me. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I don't agree with a lot of those, and nor should I. I don't live in Galarian. I don't I don't have to have the, cons the, the conceit mean, that these are these are things. At the end uh, of the day, these are just like little, these were little theories from, from whatever scholars about the origins uh, within that, that setting. We know they get shorn off from spontaneously combusting demiplanes. Right. <laughs> but, just go with that. I mean, none, as like putting myself in the shoes of somebody from that setting, knowing the world the way I know that world, none of these seem particularly far-fetched. No, certainly like, not. Yeah. When you, when you put it in the context of some dude once got drunk and accidentally became a god, these are kind of just fine. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're not exactly. that far-fetched. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, too good. Um, it's like the test of the star zone, like, you know, came in on its day off for Caden Kalyan. <laughs> right. This <laughs> 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 just couldn't be fucked today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just God. Called, um, called out sick. Yeah, uh, they sent a temp in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's Yule uh, lore for the Shining Child, uh, for better or for okay. worse, and for all of its uh, little weird missing pieces and assumed pieces and contradicting okay. pieces and all that. Well, let's uh, let's let's dip into the IRL lore. Uh, none. And then based on your notes, we can just dip right into the mechanics. <laughs> God, I love splash screens. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I couldn't I, find Anybody anything. who looks at our timestamp is going to see that in like four seconds. What the fuck? What? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't find any, any IRL stuff related to, to this, this thing. It's, it is purely you know, a work, a work of fiction, uh, build this. I, yeah. Although I guess that your comparison to, to, uh, Frankenstein's kind of a cool little pop, pop culture reference to, to I, sort of. Yeah. I also feel like there's probably something from the X-Files that I'm glossing over here, but I'm not as familiar with the X-Files as I'd like to be. Um, but yeah. everything we've talked about sounds familiar, like a being made of light or at least a, like a husk yeah. powered by some sort of light. Um, mm -hmm. which I guess is, a creature we have coming up very shortly. But, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's talk about the mechanics. Uh, this is a level 12 creature. Okay. Uh, that seems high. Of, yeah, it's powerful. Um, imagine being born at level 12. <laughs> Just poof, here I am. Um, the uh, AC of 33, HP 215. It is a medium-sized creature. Uh, current alignment is chaotic evil, uh, and it simply just has the astral trait. Um, astral, just basically meaning that it's from the astral plane and can survive yeah. the basic environments of said plane. 
I'm still kind of confused why they don't have the aberration trait as well, because I feel like they're probably... I mean, I guess they're not defi- uh, by definition outsiders, right? Because they're, they're from a particular plane. They're not from like an un an unknown plane or aberrations from from a like from an unknown place is that what what it is yeah so i mean i think the definition of aberration for us is 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 like what we've kind of run with assuming through 5e for so long um is maybe the same or maybe not in 2e but i just look at the trait uh for aberrations is creatures that uh from beyond the planes or corruptions of the natural order so in 2e that to me says like what we interpret as monstrosities uh, right. As well as uh, they, they're kind of in together uh, there. Okay. So, um, so something alien or unnatural or uh, a corruption of nature, so on and so forth. So, um, okay, yeah. Uh, so I, yeah. I, I get what you're so, saying. I get what you're saying. But these uh, these aren't like born on uh, a different in a distant, different system on a different planet. They aren't born in a eldritch demiplane. They are they are born from this like physical you know instance that happens in in the metaphysics of the of the setting so they they are very separate from things i don't think there's many creatures with the astral trait like alone so it's a very small uh very small number anyway yeah it looks like there's only 10 with the uh, like creature monsters with the astral trait uh including the shining child one of them is awesome. Number. The Aurora Boros has the astral trait. I did not oh, realize nice. that was a creature. That's going to be coming up <laughs> way sooner. Uh, now that I know that that's in here. Yeah, I, I, if I remember correctly, that's a monstrously large creature too. <laughs> it's like it's it's huge and very very high level. Um, but yeah. Oh, and um, the art's really cool. So th- that'll come down the pipe soon. That's that's really <laughs> neat. Um, probably early twenty twenty four. I'll I'll tackle that one. Sweet. <laughs> Uh, so with the astral trait, uh, it is an occultism check to identify, um, starting at, uh, 30 with the, the usuals unspecific and specific lore reductions, um, perception at 23 for this creature. It does have a speed of 30, but it's a fly speed of 50. So that, that, that thing be floating around. That's the closest I think we're getting to its, uh, anti-gravity approach. Um, but, uh, again, it doesn't specify hmm. anything with stat block about, you know, how it doesn't, doesn't have to do maneuver and flight checks or anything. Yeah. I was going to so. ask about that. Cause that would make a lot of sense to me actually, is that, mm-hmm. you know, it has a fly speed, but it just doesn't have to do, you know, it doesn't have to spend an action to hover or, um, you know, uh, spend an action to do whatever, whatever. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it, uh, it speaks Aklo, uh, with a telepathy of 120 feet um and has dark and reason. yet it's not an aberration aklo the language <laughs> of shit we can't classify well it's probably okay. more <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah basically uh, it's probably more likely to encounter uh creatures with aklo um i mean maybe uh you know first uh, as opposed to somewhere else that would be my guess so maybe that's where they pick it up quickly um yeah. I'm, I'm kind would... of surprised Thessalonian isn't on here, just because they're in yeah. my mind they're kind of like a hive mind. But uh, sure, I, I guess I that mean, would like you could just template yeah. that on for specific beings, right? Well, I can't say I don't think they really are a hive mind. They do have a telepathic connection to each to each other, or at least the siblings of the same demiplane. But I wouldn't call them a hive mind. I don't think they collectively think as a group. Um, okay, like kind of yeah. Um, that being said. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, if you did encounter one in, you know, the Galarian universe that's been bound to a site by Thessalonians, absolutely give it Thessalonian. You know, give it a give it what you can give anything a language, right? And we we've we've oh, yeah. advocated for that many times. Give anything a language as long as it if it fits the scenario, just hand it over. Especially um, local uh, dialects. Know. I don't feel like they're yeah. used enough in in any RPG. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Pathfinder Agreed. has has done a really great job of uh, flushing them out. You know, Assyriani, mm-hmm. Talden, um, yeah. Nexian, like, like yeah. Ch- Chalaxian, like all that stuff. Yeah. And, and well, they, te- I just they don't do tend see not PCs to take them. Yeah, they do tend not to uh, plug those languages onto char- uh, character sheets or uh, creature stat blocks, though, because they don't want you to be lock in that creature is only in that area, right? So they they kind of play play a little fast and loose with that, unless like the the stat block is like. Uh, chalaxian assassin you know then it probably knows right chalaxian right <laughs> but uh uh in any case uh ability modifiers uh are as such strength two dex five con six intelligence two wisdom five charisma seven 
I thought the uh, intelligence being at two was kind of oddly low. Um, and the charisma at with... seven seems crazy high for, yeah. let me remind you <laughs> listeners of the video uh, that look like this. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but I mean, they, they must be able to talk their way into uh, torturing sentient creatures in exchange for knowledge. So uh, there's that. Um, I guess, yeah. I mean, I I figured we would just give them a boost to diplomacy, but like, maybe they have mm. that too. Let's let's check the skills here. Uh, they do, they do indeed. In fact, uh, deception, okay. diplomacy, and intimidation all get a, a boost. Uh, um, twenty one for intimidation and diplomacy. Deceptions get a little extra at twenty three, um, and they also have uh, bonuses in arcana and occultism, probably to best reflect their mm. um, uh, their you know knowledge, as it were, that right. they that they have sought out and collected over who knows how long. Um, and as far as defenses go, uh, Fortitude is their highest at 22, and then they have an even keel on Reflex and Will at 19. And then they are immune to the Blinded condition, to the Dazzled condition, and to Fire. But that's okay. all the I mean, all that makes sense. They don't really the see with their eyes, so... Yeah. Um, the, uh, they can punch. They like to punch. Well, I shouldn't say they like the punch, but they can punch, and they punch with a plus twenty-five, and that is uh... creatures punch. (laughs) Somehow I knew you were going to say that. Um, uh, (laughs) They fist attack. It does three d four plus five plus four d six fire plus two d four persistent fire. Um, Jesus Christ! That added up fast. Yeah, that's compounding pretty quick. Nine d four damage plus five. (laughs) Jesus. they are, of course, uh, agile, finesse, and magical for this attack as well. So you, your map is reduced a bit for that one. Uh, they do have a ranged attack as well called Fire Ray, which you can imagine is probably shooting out of its mouth and or eye holes. 100-foot range, also 25 to hit. 3d10 plus... Uh, sorry, 3d10 plus 3 fire plus 2d10 positive if the target is undead. Um, not quite sure where that comes from. Huh. I wonder general- if that's an astral thing. Yeah, I was thinking that, and then maybe it's like maybe that's just a general property of like intense light, and undead just can't not uh, be hurt by it or something. I don't know. Right, uh, it's like a but, holdover from radiant. Exactly. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so I wonder if this was just like a like like palette swapped from one e to be fire and and positive instead of just all radiant from one e. Yeah. Um. Something along those lines, I'm sure. Uh, they do have a passive uh, called Radiance Independence. Sorry, Radiance Dependence, uh, in in which the Shining Child is flat-footed if they are in an area of darkness. So that's a pretty pretty significant um, uh, weakness, I guess, or, or downside. Um, however, right. don't these things just fucking glow? Yeah, well, that's just it, right? <laughs> uh, it's something you could take advantage of. However, here's here's what you have to overcome. <laughs> they have an aura called Blinding Aura. Uh, oh. It does have oh, the well, inca- there it is. It does have the incapacitation trait, which is worth noting because of how brutal it can be. It's the sixty foot range, sheds bright light, so they good in darkness as long as it's going. And a creature that starts its turn in the aura aura must attempt a DC twenty nine Fortitude save. If they succeed, they're temporarily immune for 24 hours. If they fail, they're blinded for one minute. If they critically fail, they're permanently blinded. Just for standing near them. Um, so, that's dangerous. And then, to okay. add to that... Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to add to that, uh, if they uh, enter or begin uh, their turn in an area of magical darkness, they can use a reaction called Overwhelming Light. And uh, they can attempt to counteract the magical darkness as if um, they were counteracting with a seventh level spell. So they can just snuff it out um, as a reaction. Wow. Yeah. Seventh level <laughs> counteract to magical yeah. darkness. That's crazy. Uh, as just a fucking reaction. <laughs> Who's casting darkness at seventh level or eighth <laughs> level, I guess? Holy shit. I mean, you kind of have to if you're going to want to try and fight this creature. Even at level 12, it might be level 12. If you have a level eight darkness and you're trying to cast that shit or something, but like this thing could blind you. It doesn't matter if you're level 20 or something. <laughs> you know, if you if you roll poorly enough, <laughs> it could really mess your day up. Um, wow. That's vicious. And then they've got, yeah, they've got some sweet spell casting to just keep keep adding to that that uh, that pile. Um, uh, their cantrip, uh, they have a cantrip light at sixth level, 
uh, level two okay. illusory object uh, they can cast, um, which kind of coincides with their, um, you know, the light allows them to create illusory images. That was in the lore. Um, yep. They can cast Dimension Door at will, self only, at level four. At level five, they can cast it as well. Um, the uh, They also have something called False Vision and Hallucinatory Terrain. I am not familiar with False Vision at all. Uh, yeah, let's take a quick boo here. I forgot to link it in my notes. Because I'm... Uh, but <laughs> here it is. Uh, false vision. 100 foot burst. Cast time is 10 minutes, though. Uh, 10 minutes, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Okay, I remember reading this now. Yeah, so it's a 100 foot burst. Does take 10 minutes to cast, and it lasts until the, the next time you make your daily preparations. So you can create a false image that fools any attempt to scry on an area. Any scrying spell sees, hears, smells, and otherwise detects whatever you wish within the area rather than what is actually in the area. So if you're trying to, like, kind of look in on, say, uh, you know, this these ruins or a secret, you know, library that you that this creature is in, you're scrying in trying to get an idea of what's ahead of you, uh, they can basically just have something set up that shows you a false image, and you probably don't know that, that you've seen a false image. So you can prepare, you know, not accordingly as a result. Um not, not the way right. you would hope. Yeah. Uh, hallucinatory terrain is really cool, too. It's got a range of 500 feet, and it's a 50-foot burst, and also uh, uh, goes until the end of you, until you make your next daily preparations. You basically create uh, um, an illusion that causes natural terrain to look, sound, feel, and smell like something different. And at fifth level, which I believe they're casting it at, yeah, uh, you, can, um, you can also disguise structures uh, and create illusory structures within the area. So you could just... You know, people looking in in advance, trying to figure what the hell to do, preparing, can't, you know, they come in prepared wrong. And then when they get there, they're not even seeing the terrain correctly. Um, and, you know, seeing structures that aren't there, hiding structures that are there. Like, that's a super mind-bending before you even get to this creature. They're just, like, morphing the whole terrain around them. Um, at least it appears that way. Yeah, fifth level misdirection. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, wow. <laughs> Uh, to, to add to that too, wall of force, so they could just block your way, even though you can't see that the way is blocked. <laughs> yep. Classic. Um, dispel magic, of course, to try and give them one more trump card uh, against any darkness uh, and whatever other <laughs> effect. <laughs> Vibrant pattern is a cool one. Uh, 10 foot burst, 120 foot range. Uh, it can be sustained up to a minute. And you create a pattern of lights that pulses with intensity. Uh, and you basically dazzle uh, creatures uh, with this like sort of crazy pattern. Um, so if you uh, succeed, you're unaffected. If you fail, you're uh, blinded by the pattern. If it ex if you exit the pattern, uh, you can attempt a new save to recover from the blinded condition. So this is assuming you succeeded on the um, the uh, bl uh, blinding aura or whatever. Uh, this is the next attempt to blind you again. Critical failure, blinded for one minute. Um, wow. Yeah, this also has the incapacitation trait, which is important. Yes, but yeah, that's, very important. That's still <laughs> crazy. Yeah, <laughs> just blind when you're in this weird square. Yeah, wow. Uh, and then uh, at seventh level, so those are six level options. At seventh level, uh, they have something called spell turning. Um, so it's oh like basically God. an abjuration uh, <laughs> spell um, that lasts for an hour, <laughs> uh, and you can reflect spells back at the caster, basically. Um, so if you uh, are targeted by a spell, you can spend a reaction uh, to attempt to reflect it. So use the counteract rules on the spell. And if the spell is successfully counteracted, uh, the effect is turned back against the caster. And um, whether or not the counteract attempt is successful, spell turning then ends. Um, but if spell turning reflects a spell back at a caster who is also under the effects of spell turning, the spell turning can attempt to reflect their own spell back at you again. <laughs> such a crazy spell and and if and if you do that if it goes down that road you automatically succeed the counteract check so if this oh, thing wow. casts if this thing casts a spell at you and you spell turn it back at it and it can spell turn it back at you the second time and automatically succeed jesus which is something like you're not going to see very often, but it's really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, just the spell equivalent of um, nope. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it's like 5e it legendary action powerful. <laughs> yeah, seriously. 
<laughs> the right circumstances is a beautiful it's gonna be a beautiful moment um and uh yeah to give it one last little uh last ditch stand effort here it also has the spell at level seven sunburst uh so powerful globe of searing light explodes in a 60 foot burst 8d10 fire damage to all creatures plus 8d10 additional positive to one dead uh and it's uh, a reflex save but it's not basic uh, critical success unaffected success half damage failure full damage critical failure full damage and blinded permanently uh, that's why it's no not basic because it becomes permanently blind holy that, shit by the way. um and of course if the globe overlaps any magical darkness no no that's <laughs> that's pretty great <laughs> And uh, there's one last effect on that. If if it overlaps an area of magical darkness, it attempts to counteract. Holy shit. Wow. That's, uh, that's one hell of a spell list. Um, I think we may have lost Freeman here, listeners. So we're just going to take a... We're just going to take a quick, quick break, and we'll be back as soon as we can. Okay. Someone I call think, fast along. I think we're back. We need, we need troubleshooting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today is not today is not our day and this episode is not our episode. <laughs> no, no. This is this is quickly becoming our our latest harpies. <laughs> yeah, really really though. Uh, um but yeah, I I crazy spell list, eh? Like that's <laughs> and that's some burst just no incapacitation on that blind counteracting darkness yeah. again. It's just it's bonkers bonkers yeah that's uh, wild uh so you kind of i feel like you just got to go in fighting this thing um you have to know how to fight with your eyes closed i think that's the goal <laughs> or it's gonna take blind fight <laughs> just get right. in there. <laughs> well, uh, i mean get. it won't hurt uh mm-hmm. or or like everybody have scent or something like that or going with an eidolon or yeah um, yeah, these are brutal. Uh, let's just let's just move into the homebrew, I guess, if that's it for the mechanics. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot there, right? Like, hmm. even within those spells, it is designed to set the PCs up for failure before they even get to an encounter. You know, you you throw up the false vision, then you throw up hallucinatory hallucinatory terrain you know you throw up a bridge here take out a bridge over here and then at the end of the actual bridge so if they manage to see through the illusion you throw up a wall of force and then directly behind the wall of force you throw up a vibrant pattern and just (laughs) start like like cue yourself up for a spell uh for a sunburst and like you it it is it is designed to never get into combat because theoretically the entire party could be dead or incapacitated before they even see a charming yeah, child. Seriously, I could see I could already see that um, the um, uh, you could use this creature as something that's too high of a level for the party, and then they need the knowledge that this creature is guarding, and then the creature's like, "Well, if you go do this horrible thing, maybe I'll share it with you," and then the characters go off and maybe they do the horrible thing maybe they don't maybe they're good guys and they all come back when they're a higher level and they've already experienced all of these things they've gone through the ruin they've experienced these things like okay we already know what to expect but now we're the appropriate level we prepared accordingly and you can have like a whole adventure sort of section to that where it's like they it you know part of the point is to like not only acquire the knowledge but also figure out how to counteract these things um uh, so that when you do finally get back there at level 12 or what have you you're prepared Still dangerous, but yeah. maybe you're prepared. So dangerous. Holy shit. So God. dangerous. <laughs> so, uh, really fun creature. I think I would totally add an explosion effect on its death. Just, just really just compound everything. Because um, that's oh, was yeah. described in the lore. I think that would be really cool. Um, and, I like the uh, idea of like, like, a, like a glitter dust or like an ash cloud upon death. Right. That would be cool. That would definitely be cool. Um Glitter dust seems seems neat. Um, I'm also just okay with more fire damage, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> which, which I think Ash Cloud yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. It, it essentially like it, it creates like this fog in a 20 foot burst lasts for one minute. Um, and it's, it's difficult to breathe. So if you start your turn within the fog, you take 2d4 fire damage as you inhale. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a fortitude save. So it's critical, unaffected. Success is half damage. Failure is full damage and dazzled for one round. Critical failure is double damage and blinded for one round. So crazy. Um, and, you know, it's only a second level spell. So it's not like yeah. crazy powerful, but it's it's pretty thin. Still neat, though. Yeah. The, yeah. I definitely use that as an yeah. inspiration. I know that I know that Paizo doesn't like put the spells as they are as death effects. Um, but, you know, you could definitely see parallels and inspirations of them. And then by all means, if, if you kind of want to just cookie cutter it and put it in, I, I, it's probably fine. But I would I, I generally try to, you know, follow their lead and be like, OK, take Ash Cloud, but like, you know, adjust it just a little bit. You know, or remove one of the uh, one of the, the layers of the decrease success or something like that, and just use it to create something a little more unique to this creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take off the one minute duration probably, mm-hmm. and just you know, uh, like like as a reaction, it happens, and then it's just a twenty yeah. foot burst from the the creature. And if you're mm-hmm. in that burst, you got to make the save. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, the. That's probably the only thing I would really add. Uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm still a little bit confused about the uh, you know uh, unaffected by gravity thing. But then again, I'm also confused by the prehensile tail. Uh, <laughs> neither of them really uh, grab me, make me want to do anything with them. So I'm kind of like whatever. Um, uh, I think just the the, the uh, death effects are fun. <laughs> I always love those. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's nothing nothing quite like a surprising the the, the players uh, with the. Uh, a downside to their victory <laughs> even as <laughs> a player i love way. death effects i love yeah. it so much yeah yeah especially if you 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 fight a creature and you know it's got a death effect and then you go fight another one of them and you're like oh okay this changes how i'm yeah. gonna fight this thing this changes how i'm gonna fight it because i have to like adjust and then like but you're not necessarily always ready to adjust and you're like the terrain doesn't allow it and it's all over the place uh, <laughs> yeah fantastic um, yeah uh do you have anything you would change or add to this uh no i mean i i like the ash cloud as a death effect i'd probably change the fist to claws because the art just makes me want it to be slashing sure yeah <laughs> um other than that no i i think they're i think these creatures are deadly enough i don't really feel like they need my help i met i might lower the hp a little actually um 215 and 33 ac seems high for 12th level mm-hmm um, but that's also because I don't want my party to get bogged down in melee or in, in combat with these creatures. I, right. In my mind, these creatures are a setup and you know, you, yeah. you, 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 you spend all your, your spells to set them up. So it sucks to get to them. But once you get to them, it, it's not, you know, it's not terrible in melee. Okay. Um, yeah. Especially with the blinding aura, like it being a sixty foot aura, that's huge, and that's, a DC twenty nine yeah. fort save. That's the whole um, room, the, almost the, always. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I probably, I might even cut the HP in half depending on the party builds. Mm. You know, like if if yeah. you got a bunch of blasters who can stay outside that sixty foot range, that changes things. Mm. Yeah. Um, but if you don't to have anybody fair, who can though, cast magical darkness, then I mean, eighth yeah. level. Like, I don't think anybody at twelfth level is going to be casting eighth level spells. Well, I, I got we got we got to we got to consider something here though is that we you know we have we still have more experience in five e and it see I think it seems like a lot of HP compared to five e. Uh, running having running our uh, stemming the tide right now and we're you know in the recordings we're getting closer and closer to uh, level ten ish or level nine ish. Um, I can tell you right now some of those creatures have more than half of that HP at those levels and you guys ripped oh, yeah. through them so 215 might seem high but i feel like it's maybe not i feel like it's easy to underestimate how much higher the damage uh output of the pcs are in 2e compared to 5e um right that, and that I, I, I totally get that. gonna impact that hp much harder and faster than what we're, yeah. what we're used to um, I, I want these creatures to be like one round creatures though. Like to okay. me, these don't seem fun to run in combat. They seem run mm. fun to run in the buildup. And then okay. with, with the ash cloud, like I would want this to be a, you know, it, it sucks to get there. You're going to get hurt. You know, things are going to go wrong. You're going to be mm. stressed. Um, but when you get there, so you want them to be more, they're like a gauntlet. Yeah. 
Yeah, you want, I want you, you like, gotta go like through hell and session. back just to get yeah. there, and then when you get there, you take them down. <laughs> yeah, and I, okay, I would I, I would actually saying. build it pretty clearly, uh, pretty close to like um, the uh, the 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 Holy Grail scene in um, uh, Last Crusade. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You know, you you got to do a bunch of these trials and tribulations, but all of the trials and tribulations are based around their spell list and what they've done. You know, the loose territory okay. terrain, the vibrant pattern, um, and then you get there. Sorry, and you said the just Holy Grail of, scene, and I went straight to Monty Python, and I was like, "What scene? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is he going yeah. for the rabbit?" <laughs> yeah, oh, make okay. sure you bring your cleric and their hand grenades. Um, yeah, <laughs> the old cleric alchemist dip. <laughs> and uh, I did feast on the fruit bats. I had breakfast yeah. cereals. Uh, no, I'm thinking more like the, the the penitent man shall pass. You know, Sean Connery's dying in the front room. Yeah. Um, and 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 Harrison Ford <laughs> has to make his way through through those those three trials. And I think this could be an, an interesting facsimile for at least a scenario like that. You know. Mm. Okay. Um, All right. And the I false vision means you you can't you know you you can't really look in and see what's going on and then right. you know I might throw something in the ante room after that you know these are these are a, a dragon really you know guarding mm-hmm. some sort of vast treasure or yeah uh, wealth of knowledge mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't want these of- creatures to be what what they're hung up on I want there to be something yeah. else something more more fun and more interesting for me to play. Mm-hmm. If there was a way, if there was an equivalent for the Nagpa in 2E or a way to convert that in a way, I would almost make these creatures uh, like sort of, not soldiers, but like, you know, um, connected to the Nagpa in that in that respect. I think that's the route I would take is the, these things, yeah. would be, you know, uh, connected to them, uh, kind of serving them, but also serving their own designs. Because they give me a, that vibe that like that, that uh, uh constantly searching for knowledge to like survive and have these incredibly far-reaching plans that are that are not easy to understand like that's they give me that similar vibe and i would make them same but different and connect them in some way yeah i like that a lot my my first instinct is like like guardians of a phylactery or something like that Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So you've got like, like the idea is that oh, you get through some this Thessalonian lich. <laughs> yeah, you get through Hell this yeah. gauntlet to make the Thessalonian lich killable. Like that's the point oh, of this. Yeah. And then, and then you know, you got to go find the lich and actually kill them or something like that. But this is I'm into it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I that's think that fun. can be kind of interesting. Well, that's that's some great ideas. Uh, those are some great ideas. There, I can't do words. Words are not my friend. Uh, and uh, in the spirit of sharing some love, I actually haven't really watched this video in depth, but there is a video uh, that was released on January 2020 on the YouTube channel Dungeon Dad, uh, where they converted the, uh, uh, this creature into a fifth edition creature. And I believe they used the oh. 1E version to like for the conversion. But um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, there is technically a homebrew fifth edition version out there. So if people are still listening but still um, playing 5e, uh, that option is out there, so you'll you'll see uh, a link to that in the description. That's that's great. I'm I I love when we uh, when we hype up other creators. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and if you listeners love it, you can uh, you can find us over on patreoncom North, where a few dollars a month goes a long way to help us make these shows. Five dollars a month will get you a handwritten thank you letter and a theme button. I just mailed out a few of those recently. $10 a month, you can suggest a creature like next week's episode is a Patreon uh, Patreon request, which is great. If you're interested in any of our cool merch, you like our logos, you can find that over at unchartednorth.com backslash shop. That'll bring you directly to our Teespring. You can hit us up on any of the socials located below or at Uncharted No on uh, all the same platforms. If you're an audio listener, please rate and review on your platform of choice. That helps us uh, get seen and, and other people find us. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe and the bell if you feel like it to get notified when new episodes go live. They come out every other Thursday. Uh, if you're just listening to this, you can see the video version on YouTube.com backslash EncounterPod. And if you, uh, if it comes up, you know, tell a friend. Uh, tell a stranger on the bus. Word of mouth is by far the best marketing for for a little show like ours, and it really does help uh, when 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 you all spread the word. For sure. And if you want to get 
a little more involved too just with us uh our discord is uh we are probably discord's small but we um we have a little active community there and they're always either giving us ideas on these creatures that we release or they're correcting us on our on our knowledge and yeah. our mechanics <laughs> so <laughs> if you have something great. to say by all means comment in the youtube section but like hit up the discord yeah, and you can talk directly to us and uh uh we'll either uh we'll either uh, bow to your to your uh, prowess or or just keep arguing for the sake of it it's fun either yeah. way <laughs> yeah we we have a beautiful discord community they're yeah. great over there they're super um, fun and that is unchartednorth.com backslash discord that that will just get you an invite directly into it so yeah. we uh we hope you decide to join us on one or all of those platforms and uh if you liked it we'll be back again in two weeks with uh with with a with a red hot creature you know hot off the presses <laughs> Ooh, ooh. Oh, it's toasty warm. <laughs> yes, correct. More fire. <laughs> All right, see you then. Until next time, creatures. Thanks, as always, for listening to Encounter This. <laughs>